HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Eat Your Heartland Out, a show about the intersection of food and culture in the American Midwest. Thank you for listening to one of our five special episodes in collaboration with Great Lakes Now from Detroit Public Media. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. This episode showcases the growing craft brewery scene in Thunder Bay and how food and drink are driving tourism to this northern Ontario town on the coast of Lake Superior. I'll speak with Dre Mulligan, founder of the Sleeping Giant Brewing Company. She'll share her stories as part of the origin of the Thunder Bay craft brewing industry. But first, I want to welcome Carrie Berlinkett, a travel professional based in Thunder Bay who knows firsthand about the impact of food and drink on the tourism growth in the region. Carrie, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks so much, Capri. It's so great to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. And um, I want to ask, first, maybe you can introduce the audience to Thunder Bay if they're not familiar. Where is it in Ontario? What Great Lake is it on? Um, And how have things been changing there in recent years when it comes to tourism? For sure. So Thunder Bay is on the world's largest freshwater lake, Lake Superior, and we are at the far west side of Lake Superior. So um, if you picture Minneapolis, we're about a six hour drive north or about four hour drive north of Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, So we're pretty close to the border, about an hour away from our friends in the United States. And things have really changed in Thunder Bay since I moved here, gosh, in 1986, which ages me considerably. But uh, when I drove in to Thunder Bay for the first time, it was definitely very much an industry-based town. So grain elevators, pulp and paper mills, everything was industry. And in the past, I'm going to say 20 years, I've noticed a real shift to a more uh, tourism and knowledge-based economy, which has been really, really exciting. I've made it my life's uh, work to be a part of that and uh, be fully immersed in all the changes that are happening here as we watch the city morph into um, a very multicultural 
multifaceted center uh, for our region. It's been really, really great. Lately, last year, we um, welcomed Viking Cruise Line, which is a big deal for us. And I actually just got back from a meeting today. We're going to have 31 stops in um, Thunder Bay and Silver Islet this summer with three different, uh, actually four different cruise ships. So it's really building for us and it's extremely exciting. Well, that's that's a that's a great segue uh, with Viking Cruise Lines. I, I know that that is that is new uh, to Thunder Bay, and and obviously, I don't think people um, are really think about the Great Lakes when uh, you know you are considering uh, cruise destinations. People think about the Caribbean or maybe even Alaska, uh, Mexico, whatever. But you know, no no one necessarily talks about the Great Lakes, and uh, I think this is a great opportunity to highlight what. Um, you know, the Great Lakes have to offer when it comes to this kind of, of recreation and, and tourism related to cruises. Cruises are back post-COVID. And um, I, I want to hear about the excursions that you're planning as well. For sure. It has been, so I'm a travel agent as well. So what's really nifty about my experience is I get to uh, send people away on cruises and then I get to receive people for cruises. So I get a really well-rounded view of all the different angles. What's really fascinating, and I knew nothing of Great Lakes cruising before last May, uh, we jumped into it with both feet. It was exciting to see people so happy to be visiting, again, somewhere that's not warm. It was pretty chilly here uh, last May long weekend when the first uh, group of people arrived. Basically, these are small ship cruises. So these are expedition cruises. They're not your usual sit by the pool and play bingo type of cruises with unlimited margaritas. It's not that type of travel. The people, the the trend that I noticed with the guests on board were that these were affluent, educated, um, active people who were looking for a new experience. They were thirsty for knowledge. They wanted to do something that was different than what everybody else was doing. So they chose expedition cruising, not only for the luxury cruises. I mean, the Viking ships, uh, the Octantis and the Polaris are brand new, stunning, scientific ships. Like they do scientific research on board. So Hmm. the talks that they have on board and the things that they offer to their guests are very, very knowledge-based, educational. That ship, when you get on it, smell has that new ship smell of wood and leather, and it is just fabulous. Uh, the fact that you know there are educational opportunities on board. What would people maybe, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but if someone is on board uh, one of these cruises, what may they learn about the Great Lakes? Is it ecosystems? Is it history? Um, what? What kind of uh, offerings um, are uh, available to passengers? So I'm not the expert on that, unfortunately, but I can tell you that when I went on board, what I saw was that for each port of call, they had set up amazing exhibits of all of the animals, the birds, like on every ship, they have a bird specialist, a plant specialist, a rock specialist. So all of those things are um you can learn about in depth before you get to your port. So for example, Silver Islet, what is an, a silver mine that was very, very rich. 
um, back in the 1800s. And it's so interesting to see the uh, models and the educational pieces that they've put together for people to Hmm. learn about Silver Islet before they even arrive, let alone the educational experience they get when they land and go on their shore excursions. Yes. Very, it's so cool. They had, um, uh, loons, you know, loons that swim, the, the, the yeah. type of bird called the loon. They had ducks, they had Canada geese, all on display, all the rocks that you might find, all the different plants. And it was just very educational. I thought it was amazing that they wow. offer all of these um, seminars so that you can choose what you want to learn about and and learn from people who are working in that business Mm-hmm. presently it's fabulous so so let's let's uh go on shore and yes. i know that you are involved at least uh in some capacity uh with some of these with shore excursions and and helping people tour the thunder bay region um whether you're you know one of these passengers that are on a cruise or otherwise what would you find um you know as as a newcomer to thunder bay so we deal with two things in Thunder Bay. We have Silver Islet, which is um, a community that's about an hour away. So the cruise ships stop there. That's where we do all of our land-based. Uh, it's in a provincial park. So we do our walks. We uh, see rock formations. We look at the wow. different mosses and lichens and all those sorts of really cool things. When they come to Thunder Bay, we focus a lot. We have a historical Fort William Park or uh, which is very um, like a, rec- a recreation of a fur trading post. So the tour guests absolutely love that. We have Kekabeka Falls, which is the Niagara Falls of the North, which is wow. a big, beautiful waterfall that, again, is very, very popular. This year, we're incorporating uh, walking tours of our downtown core, and we're incorporating food, of course, and uh, maybe some chocolate making and other little bits and pieces that we can find. So we have a fabulous museum here. We have an art gallery with a new one being built. So Terry Fox Monument is also a very popular Mm -hmm. stop. We have a lot of little pieces that we're putting together to create these really great experiences for these guests so that they walk away and say, wow, that was really cool. Well, you ha- it sounds like you have, you know, uh, nature offers, cultural opportunities, uh, outdoor activities. And then you mentioned food and that is, you know, of great interest to me and the show. <laughs> uh, and, and so um, I, I want to find out a little bit more about that because I know culinary tourism is growing in Ontario. And um, you also mentioned multiculturalism uh, in Thunder Bay. And um, with that comes, you know, different food offerings as well, uh, I'm sure. Um, What is happening in Thunder Bay around um, the food scene? uh, And how is it being organized, um, if it's being organized, for tourists to appreciate and take advantage of um, the, the growing diverse landscape of food? That's a great question, Capri. I'm thinking you have to come up for a visit and I'll take you out (laughs) because you would love the, so I travel a lot for work all over the world. And I can say with, with no uncertainty that 
Thunder Bay is my favorite place to eat. And I know that sounds like I'm just saying that because I'm from here, but the food here, the food scene is amazing in Thunder Bay because like you said, we have people from so many different cultures that have settled here and open restaurants and you can have like just any type of food that you can imagine. A lot of our restaurants are located in one central area uh, of the waterfront, but our city, which is about 100,000 people, we have food opportunities all over the place. But it's really become a thing. And what I've found in the past just couple of, I'm even going to say post-COVID, we've had Mm -hmm. a few more places pop up. And now I'm seeing different things happen, like progressive dinners that, you know, you can purchase Mm. tickets to and and start at one restaurant and and kind of walk along and have one course at each restaurant. We're finding that sort of thing, walking food tours. Again, we're just slowly building this up because this is all relatively new to us as a newer tourism destination. So we're just slowly building, but I'm seeing it and I love it. That's that's great to hear. Um, and do you think that the Lake Superior is help helps um, attract people into Thunder Bay? Um, you know, and helping grow the community as um, bringing in new residents as well as new tourists. I. Thunder Bay, I mean, we're, we're pretty isolated. So usually mm-hmm. you're coming here for a reason. It's not very often that you're just passing through, unless, of course, you're going from coast to coast, then you might mm-hmm. be passing through. So most of the times people are coming here for a purpose or a reason. It It's really interesting how things have changed and grown. Like I say, the past two decades have basically done a 180 for us. And again, that's just my opinion, but that's what I've witnessed and enjoyed mm-hmm. witnessing. Um, just all of the different food opportunities and people in Thunder Bay love food. Like we just love food. When a new restaurant opens, it's it's so well supported and people really try to you know really make a go of it and support it wholeheartedly. And when it's a type of food that people haven't, Uh, tried before that gives it even more you know more excitement and people are like wow I've never tried Lebanese food I can't wait to go to that new restaurant you know that's I mean that's exactly the type of things that I think a lot of people want to explore and discover when they come into a new place Um, and you know as as you know living there um, anyone in their own hometown finds that you know you can discover new things in your own backyard too um and uh, speaking of, I know that um, the region has started to become quite um, a well-known area for craft brewing, and I believe also some some wine. Um, and that's always, you know, a very popular thing with visitors. Um, tell me a little bit about the the craft brew scene there, um, and your involvement, at least previously, in in one of the big festivals that was going on around. Um, the brew scene in Thunder Bay? Beer has been my life for probably a little over a decade now. Uh, and it, it was a fabulous life. I, I'm slowing down a bit now. I, I actually just left um, my last job at a brewery just two weeks ago. <laughs> so now I'm just going to drink there instead of working there. But I've been <laughs> 
theater scene and just loved it and again watched it explode. So um, I was a partner for Sleeping Giant Brewing Company, which of course mm-hmm. uh, opened its doors back in 2011, 2012, and was the first um, bigger craft brewery here in Thunder Bay for a, a lot of years. But gosh, now we've grown. We have Dawson Trail. We have Lakehead Brewing. We have another one opening up soon. In the region, we've got Lake of the Woods Brewing Company. We've got um, a, brewery, a brewery in Terrace Bay. We've got one in Atacocan, which is, or sorry, Quetico, which is just two hours away. So it is really exploding. And Capri, you know, just like I do, that people, craft breweries have given beer drinkers an excuse to do a vacation, right? Let's go to Thunder Bay and let's check out all the breweries and let's have a night out where we, you know, bar hop and try all the mm-hmm. different ones and have a flight and and have all the fun. So that again has really, um, by having the breweries here, it gives tourists a reason to spend the night. Let's go try all these breweries. There, there's only three or four, so we can do it safely and go take a look at each and compare and and see the vibe of each one. So that's been really fun to watch as well, because it gives people food and drink, give people a reason to stay in a destination. Mm-hmm. So that's been absolutely awesome to watch. And it's growing. And yes, of course, Bruja, which is the local beer festival, Uh, We used to have that. Now the Chamber of Commerce is running it. It's happening in July this year. And that's an event where uh, in the past we would have thousands of people come to Bruja on a weekend in the summer. So that's still going strong. Again, everybody recovering after, you know, the tough COVID times, but we're super excited to have that back this summer. And uh, my business partner and I created Wino, which is a wine festival. So we're just, everybody's just excited about the new opportunities that come when there's lots of food and drink options in our community. That's great. When do these uh, events take place throughout the year? So Bruja, I believe, is July 12th and 13th this year. I could be wrong. I think that's what I saw. Um, Our wino event is August 12th. We have events throughout the year as well. We maybe have two throughout the winter months because with wine, it's really nice and easy to do fun little Mm -hmm. events indoors. But we're hoping to do like a a taco event and and all sorts of fun things. Again, food and drink just give people a reason to gather. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go, um, what do you want listeners to know about Thunder Bay? Thunder Bay is the perfect destination for people who love the outdoors. If you love nature and natural beauty, when I moved here, all I could think of was, oh my gosh, I can go two kilometers in any direction and find a river, a stream, a park, a forest, a trail. It's amazing if you love the outdoors. My, What I'd love for people to know is come, look at how beautiful our lakefront is, explore the different food and drink options. All of the breweries are amazing. They will welcome you with open arms. And the food options, my goodness, you should just drop me a note and I'll give you the top 10 places that you need (laughs) to go. There's just so many cool things um, to see and do here. It's, It's truly a beautiful, beautiful city. Well, I definitely want to get up there, and I'm sure that our our listeners will as well. Carrie, thank you very much for joining the program. Capri, thank you. Let me host you. If you come up, I'd love to meet you. We'll definitely let you know. (laughs) Thank you.
We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be joined by Drea Mulligan, the founder of Sleeping Giant Brewing Company in Thunder Bay. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Thanks for listening to Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro, and this is one of our special episodes in conjunction with Great Lakes Now from Detroit Public Media. We've been speaking about the growth of tourism in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Now I want to welcome to the program... Drea Mulligan, the founder of Sleeping Giant Brewing Company, who knows a thing or two about how the brewing industry has helped attract new visitors to Thunder Bay. Drea, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Capri. Well, I wish I could cheers a beer with with you, but um, we're excited to share a little bit of your story. Um, And let's just start at the beginning. What inspired you to start a brewery? Oh my goodness. That's a loaded question. Uh, you know, my husband, <laughs> I founded the brewery with my husband, Kyle, and, you know, we were always those people sitting at our local pub before we opened the brewery, talking about beer with strangers, you know, how exciting it was, the different styles, um, what we loved about it. And my husband's actually also, um, a family doctor. He's also a head brewer. And so his undergrads in chemistry. So, you know, he realized quite quickly that he could make beer um, delicious beer. We could drink it, but he, he could geek out in the science part of it, which is that chemistry, um, aspect that kind of comes into play. So combined with, you know, geeking out in science, making delicious beer that we loved. And the fact that we just love talking and sharing our knowledge and interest in beer that sort of catapulted us into writing a business plan and, um, yeah. And opening a brewery because we lacked that culture that, uh, we didn't have a craft brewery in our city. So we definitely wanted to um, create that culture and uh, educate our, our locals about great beer. Yeah, from everything that I've, I have read and people that I've spoken to, Sleeping Giant is kind of the OG of uh, Thunder Bay, uh, the yes. Thunder Bay craft brewing scene. How long ago uh, did you actually open your doors? Yeah, well, this June, it'll be 11 years since we first opened our doors where we just sold growlers. We didn't even can beer at that point in time. So yeah, 11 years that we opened our door and uh, started to expose everybody to delicious craft beer. And I remember our first summer, you know, we had a wonderful Saison and my husband and I had gone to a local pub who was selling our Saison on tap. And we were like, this is why we opened a brewery so we can sit down and enjoy a Saison. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that opportunity. That's awesome. It's it's got to be so rewarding to be able to actually consume what you make and then watch other people do the same. Yeah. And you know, before we opened the brewery, we actually wrote down on little pieces of paper and I share this story a lot. 
of different things we wanted to accomplish. And one thing we wrote down, which we still have these little pieces of paper, is we wanted to make Thunder Bay proud. And, you know, it's been such a great byproduct of opening a brewery and um, watching it grow, you know, growing it with our community and just the pride that our all the locals have in our company, in what we do and just our relationship with the community. Yeah. So it's been pretty, pretty awesome. That, that is awesome. I mean, that's wonderful that, you know, you've come to opening a business with that perspective in mind of, you know, really sort of giving back to the community, investing in the community, and ultimately making the community proud by the product that you uh, create. Now, I you have some really fun names of beers, um, like Mr. Canoehead, for example, <laughs> if I'm yes. not mistaken. Um, uh, Tell me a little bit more about the types of beers that you brew and kind of what goes into that. Yeah, and all good all good beer names come over uh, come up when you drink when you're drinking beer with a group of people. So uh, all good things come when you're drinking beer. So um, we do offer different uh, many different styles right now. If you were to walk into our tap room, you know we have 14 plus beers on tap, along with some hard ciders that we started uh, dabbling in um, a few years ago. Ooh. But um, you know, obviously, what's so cool, uh, you know, being the OG, we you know, launched a wonderful golden ale to sort of please the masses and get people drinking craft beer. And this Mm -hmm. is called Northern Lager. It's a Canadian award-winning beer and it's always been our top seller. And what's so cool though, is, you know, we have a a beer called Whiteout, which is a hazy IPA, very juicy, more challenging, interesting beer. And now to see not only Northern Lager be successful, but Whiteout is neck and neck in terms of the way it sells out our front door. Um, it just shows how the consumer, especially in our community, uh, the, the craft beer consumer is evolving and um, enjoying a variety of craft beers, not just that easy golden nail. But we brew everything. You know, our flagships range from West Coast IPAs. That's one of my favorites to delicious, you know, sessionable IPAs. Um, you know, we have some wonderful stouts, um, a coffee vanilla porter that we just actually Ooh. got a Canada um, Cup gold so best porter in canada um, Congrats. So of, yeah thanks you know we don't brew beer to win awards but it's always kind of cool when you do and our staff are always pretty proud of that um yes yeah, so we have a really wide range you know sours we have a barrel aged program here we also you know have introduced some non-alcoholic products we're working on um, developing na beer but also we have some uh, cool craft sodas as well so oh, what, kind of, what kind of craft sodas do you have? Right now we have a ginger ale and we also have a black cherry. We're introducing a blood orange and we're really proud of the fact that we source um, our fresh fruit for these um, sodas from a company, a family run company in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that was that's actually going to uh, lead into one of the next questions I wanted to ask, which is about how you source your ingredients and the water in particular, because I, I understand that um, you use water directly from Lake Superior or some Lake Superior water in your beer. Is that right? Absolutely. So when you drink our beer, you know, we say you're drinking superior beer and we mean it. (laughs) So, you know, our water, we don't have, don't have to do much to it. We're right on the shores of Lake Superior. So the sleeping giant, um, is actually this beautiful, um, sort of landscape that's, um, situated in on our waterfront. So if you go down to our waterfront, you see the sleeping giant and, um, it's actually one of Canada's top 10 wonders. But again, we're that close to Lake Superior. So absolutely, wow. you're getting that fresh Lake Superior water in all of our products. Um, what is so um, fun for us is that we actually have a malting facility a kilometer away from our brewery. So for mm-hmm. a long time, you know, we were one of those 
only breweries in North America that could say our malt is malted locally. Um, So that's always exciting. And again, there's been such a great relationship, personal relationship where they've really supported us in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, we do... um, occasionally source some people are trying to grow hops in this region god bless them (laughs) but um you know we do try to source um you know local maple syrup our coffee for a coffee vanilla porter is um fresh roasted um by a local roaster here so when we can we definitely are are sourcing our ingredients as as close as we can are one of our most popular beers in the spring we only ever can do one batch because we we get our um, spruce tips locally is our um um, a spruce tip ale. And so we actually have um, a group of people go out and pick the fresh tips right off their, our Northern Ontario trees. And we put them right into the beer for this delicious uh, flavoring. So yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. And we're really proud of that fact. Well, you should be. I mean, and there's so much out there that you can source, it sounds like. I mean, we all know about, obviously, maple syrup, but I also know, because I spent quite a deal of time in Canada, there, there's a lot more to Canada and Canadian, the Canadian food scene and than maple. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that you are able to get so much of, of your ingredients sourced locally or regionally uh, has to come through in the flavor of your product too. Oh, definitely. And the perfect example of that would be our spruce tip beer, right? Where you're just getting this wonderful yeah. pine notes, wonderful aroma. And that's definitely doesn't compare to if we'd have to use an extract, right? But we're picking these yep. fresh, fresh pine um, tips right off the trees and putting them right into the brew the next day. Yeah, definitely makes a difference. You're absolutely right. Now, do you have to be in Thunder Bay or at the tap room to be able to get your beer? Or can you get it outside of uh, the immediate region across Ontario or other parts of Canada? Yeah, that's a great question. So we still we do have um, distribution out to Western Canada. We're quite popular and still growing um, quite rapidly in Manitoba. Um, of really? course, you can get our beer across Ontario and we do ship. So, you know, if there's beers that... Um, especially those early adopter, those craft beer geeks really want, um, that you can only get the brewery we will ship um, in Ontario. And uh, we just can't ship um, beyond uh, our borders. Sure. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, I think we're, we're very fortunate. We're an anomaly because we are in northwestern Ontario. It's so tight-knit, and um, we do still sell so much of our product um, out our own front doors to our local community and the north, uh, northwestern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that is something that I think is, you know, really exciting for the fact that, you know, Sleeping Giant being kind of the the flagship, if you will, of craft brewery in that region, um, I it, think it's inspired others to follow suit. And what seems to have followed is, you know, a, uh, a craft brewing scene that has attracted uh tourists through the Lake Superior Circle Ale Tour, as as well as, you know, other activities. What kind of impact do you think that craft brewing and, you know, in a wider extent, maybe, you know, sort of the food scene uh, has um, contributed to um, tourism attraction to the region? Well, I definitely. So, you know, if you're a foodie and, you know, foodie sort of that original scene, right, where you, now you're building on ro- coffee roasters and craft breweries and distilleries and all these things. So right. you know, where there's where there's people seeking good food, they're now seeking craft beer. They're interested mm-hmm. in coffee and all these kinds of things and le- not only just drinking and consuming it, but learning about it um, and getting to know it and the stories that um, accompany that. Right. 
So I know, you know, we're pretty fortunate. We're only an hour from the Minnesota border. So, you know, we're four hours from Duluth, six hours from Minneapolis. So we do get this draw of, um, I mean, those are meccas of craft beer, those two cities too. And so, you know, we are getting this draw of tourists um, coming through our city and not just only stopping at our brewery, but other breweries in town that are now existing as well. So, and I think it goes hand in hand, you know, as the food scene grows, um, beverages and other products as well pop up and um, are sought after by the same people. Mm -hmm. How important do you think that being on the lake is for um, your business, um, and just, you know, attracting people into the Thunder Bay region? Well, I definitely know we're, you know, we're a hot spot for, um, you know, the U S um, a lot of people come fishing and, um, cross the border and, and head our way for a variety of reasons, especially for the outdoors and all the things that we offer in that respect. So I think being on the lake, um, definitely attracts, um, beer drinkers, you know, because going hand in hand with fishing, hunting, camping, um, hiking, all that kind of stuff, you know, they're definitely earning their beer and um, we're (laughs) happy to, uh, to cheers them with our beer after they've earned it. So no, it does go, it does go hand in hand, uh, be on the lake, you know, the only drawback where we are is um, we're a little bit isolated. So we just have, we have, you know, it's a lot of uh, extra costs for shipping and getting our, getting Mm -hmm. um, our supplies that we can't get locally shipped into us. Um, Stay la vie. That's the that's the price we pay for living in the beautiful north. <laughs> it is it is indeed the beautiful north, and so beautiful, in fact, that now um, you know there are um, you know actual cruise lines that are coming up there that are yes. cruising the Great Lakes. People think, oh, you know, cruises. They think about I don't know the Caribbean or Mexico, something like that. Yeah. Not necessarily the Great Lakes. Now I live on a Great Lake, um, you know, and. Um, Lake Erie is, is the small nice. lake, yeah. but uh, lake, you know, lake Superior is the big one. Mm-hmm. And um, now I, I understand, you know, there are lots of people that are signing up for these cruises. And I would assume, you know, stopping in Thunder Bay, you're getting a little bit of the benefit of that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It was so cool to see them all pull up last year. Um, you know, we've, we've been on cruises ourselves, but to see the ships in our harbor, it just... Um, elevates everything and just adds a certain dynamic and you know to have um, people being brought in and as a you know large group enjoying what our city has to offer and had everybody you know kind of waiting in anticipation you know to have our city put its best foot foot forward um, is so exciting and to see people come and again those foodies enjoying our food scene and seeing what we have to offer because it's oftentimes you know the big cities have that, but the li- but all smaller cities and towns have these small niche um, yeah. markets and offerings, which were which people are seeking, and so the cruise ships are definitely full of people looking for these amazing um, experiences and on sort of sort of in their own backyard, so to speak, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is that is cool. Like I can't even mm-hmm. imagine, um, you know, having all these people coming in and you know checking out. Um, you know, something that, you know, is in your backyard, but is totally new to uh, a whole group of people. Um, what's next for, uh, sleeping giant and for the craft brew scene there in Thunder Bay? Well, I definitely think there's still room to grow, um, for sure. And I think for us, it's, you know, we, we've learned a lot over the last 11 years. So I think we're, you know, we want to continue to grow, you know, our different branches of the company. So the non-alcoholic beverages, you know, our hard seltzers 
and continue to uh, make consistently delicious amazing craft beer but you know because of we've gained that knowledge and we have some skills you know what we're what's happening for us anyway where we're located in the north you know we have a lot of people approaching us now hey can you help us make this product or develop oh, wow. this product and package it so we're taking a serious look at just leveraging our own skills and capital and what we have so that we can just help other businesses um you know, dip their toe and in, 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 and have some fun with us, not necessarily beer, but, you know, um, so we're looking at doing some contract um, production, not beer, but oh, wow. just other, other products so that we can help businesses grow all while scaling our own company. So it's kind of a win-win. So we're, we're exploring that. And we've had many businesses approach us and it's not available to anyone in the North. No one has access to equipment like we have or the skill set that we've mm-hmm. um, acquired over the last 11 years. So that's really exciting yeah. for us to be able to, help out other entrepreneurs and help our scene grow and our economy grow. So that's, that's some fun we're going to have with it now that we're getting older or the OGs, right? Like you said, (laughs) that is You are paying it forward and growing in the process. I can't, yeah, I can't think of of a better combination and having some fun all along the way. That is awesome. Drea, thank you for joining the program. And where can folks learn about Sleeping Brewing before I let you go? What's your website or your uh, social media? Yeah, so our website is sleepinggiantbrewingcompany.ca. And you can find us on Instagram at um, sgbco. So sgbco or sgbco um, on Instagram. Yeah, we're we're all over on Twitter and TikTok and all those good things. Trying to be trying to keep up with the young kids on that TikTok, but yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I, me, me and social media, I'm I'm a I'm a Gen Xer. I'm like I can't even with this whole thing. But you know, <laughs> we got to be on it. We got to be out there. We'll definitely uh, give you a follow and hopefully be able to uh, okay. cheer some of your your beer at some point um, in person in the near future. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm Capri Cafaro, and this is Eat Your Heartland Out, one of the special episodes in conjunction with Great Lakes Now from Detroit Public Media. Thank you for listening to this episode, and make sure that you tune in next Thursday for the next episode in this special series, where we will be going to my home state of Ohio and learning about the growing wine industry on Lake Erie's North Coast. You can find these episodes on greatlakesnow.org, heritageradionetwork.org, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Eat Your Heartland Out is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.